We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with the vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you. and You're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Good morning and welcome to Jenna Ellis in the morning. It's so great to be back with you after a phenomenal share Thank you so much to everyone who has so generously given over the last three days to support this ministry. I am so blessed to be part of the AFR family and continue to speak truth into culture and particularly our civil government. But today I want to talk about the family government. I had an opportunity to uh, visit with my mom um, a couple of months ago. And this program, this interview aired on another show here on AFR. So my audience, uh, probably not everyone got to listen to this about homeschooling. Uh, We got such phenomenal response last week from the interview that I did with her on biblical counseling. So we're going to focus today on the family and on her mission and my dad's uh, dedication to discipling children. And I'm excited to have a very special guest with me today that I'll introduce in just a moment. Uh, But for those of you who listen to my show, um, and I hope that all of you do, in the mornings, uh, most of the time we talk about politics, the Constitution, the government, the role of government in the Christian life, how we engage as Christians in civics, and uh, a lot of those conversations about the top trending headlines and so forth. And uh, I have been very blessed to be a guest here with the Addisons and uh, and on their show that focuses a lot on family. And so uh, for the show today, uh, as the, the guest host today, I wanted to be um, a little more focused on uh, the family piece because we know from Scripture that God has, under his authority, uh, created three institutions of authority. That's the church government, the family government, and the civil government. And so uh, in my shows, we talk a lot about the civil government. Uh, Here today, I want to talk about the family government and what that looks like and give you a little bit more insight as well into uh, my life and in growing up. Uh, I think a lot of you know that I was homeschooled all the way through and that ability to be homeschooled really uh, shaped my trajectory in terms of not only and most importantly my Christian faith, but also in understanding of how my vocation in law is truly a ministry. So I was very blessed to uh, have the benefit of homeschooling, and this was you know way before homeschooling was as mainstream as it is today. So my parents were kind of pioneers uh, of homeschooling and. Uh, developing some of their own curriculum and 
uh, really giving that discipleship and mentorship that is so important for parents training up children in the way they should go. So as Proverbs admonishes, when we're older, like I am now, we won't depart from our faith. And so much of what I have learned and lived throughout my uh, college career and then into law school and beyond into practice Uh, The things that and ideas and situations that I have encountered, I have understood and been able to analyze based on the roots of my Christian faith that were taught through the church government and the family government, which of course was my local church and pastor and, and also my parents. And so the ability to homeschool um, for parents, if you can possibly accomplish that and and have the opportunity to homeschool, I absolutely advocate for that. And I know that there are a lot of different situations that families have and um, not everyone has the opportunity to homeschool. But, uh, but I think that it is more of an opportunity than a lot of people realize. And especially now with all of the uh, curriculum that's available, the support and um, certainly the laws that protect the parents' right for school choice, uh, some of those things. It really um, is something that I would encourage parents to consider based on my experience and how that shaped uh, my ministry. And so with all of that, I will now introduce my very special guest for the rest of this hour, who is my mom, Valerie Ellis, who uh, is is my best friend. And I'm so excited to uh, have you here to talk about homeschooling from the perspective of a parent, mom, because um, of course, I have the perspective as a homeschool graduate. But um, thank you so much for joining me. And this is a really great opportunity for the AFR family to hear from you. Yeah. Hi, Jess. Good to be with you today. And to talk about homeschooling, one of my favorite subjects. Yes, I know that it is. And so uh, so my mom, um, uh, just a little bit of background. So she and my dad uh, met in high school. They got married when they were 18. They're still married. Amazing. And uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom all the way through my older brother and my um, education. And then when I went to college, my mom started taking distance courses from Liberty University. So we actually went through college together, which was kind of an amazing experience. And then she graduated Uh, from the master's university with her master's in uh, biblical counseling, her degrees in theology, uh, a year before I graduated law school. So we had a bunch of graduations uh, between my brother and my mom and me. Um, and then, of course, we have my little brother now who my parents homeschooled, and uh, he you know, is much younger and is now at Liberty University on campus uh, finishing his degree there. So, um, so mom, you know, for the perspective of of parents, um, you chose to be a stay-at-home mom and you chose to homeschool. So what was that like, especially, you know, back, this would have been in the early 80s, um, before this was really mainstream, what what caused you and dad to think about homeschooling as the right choice? Yeah, well, you're right, what you said in the beginning, that we were basically pioneers. Not very many people were doing it at all. In fact, we had never even heard of it. But when my older son, David, went off to kindergarten and then in first grade, I missed him a lot. I missed being able to have a lot of time with him during the day. I missed reading books to him. I missed teaching him things and experiencing uh, when he was learning something. I missed being able to be there and and see that happen. And um, I had a friend who 
had heard about homeschooling, and we started talking about it. It was very foreign to me. Didn't know, well, I'm not a teacher. How could I possibly do this? I'm not licensed. You know, all the, all the things that uh, parents are wondering about or were back then. And so we started researching it, and we found out it is legal, and um, it's possible to teach your child how to read, even if you're not a teacher. And, um, and I thought, you know what? I want my kids home. I want to influence them. And that's what drove me. I missed the time that I had because I knew May 31st, 1981, which is when my first child was born, I was called into a discipleship ministry until my kids had left my home. And when I only had them, had my son at that time, I thought, I cannot properly disciple my child anymore. That's what drove me. Okay, I'll figure out how to do reading and writing and arithmetic. But I wanted to pass the faith on to you and your and your brother, Jenna. That's what originally motivated me. And, and I'm going to cry <laughs> because I think, Mom, that's so that calling for parents is so important. And I know that that was so true um, in how you and dad really did influence um, Davy. I called my older brother Davy, but David, um, and mm-hmm. then my younger brother, Tyler, that was the calling um, for you and dad was that you knew that discipleship of children is the first ministry. And, you know, reading mm-hmm. and writing, we can learn all of that. And we did. And we actually had so much fun in homeschooling. We always joke now that we're older and, you know, have adult problems that, you know, childhood was just one happy day after the next. And obviously, you know, we still had um the sibling fights and, you know, the, the other things that obviously the discipline and the training that go into raising children, especially strong-willed kids like the three that you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah. to say that it that the first and foremost um, calling of parents is discipleship, that I think is truly the heart of homeschool families. And so for, for, for parents who are listening that maybe don't fully understand that. Um, explain that a little bit more just just biblically why that is the heart of parenting. Yes, because the the responsibility that God has given to parents is to raise up a godly generation, the next generation, pass the faith on. I didn't want to put that in the hands of a, a pastor, a any friend, uh, you know, a youth pastor or anybody else, I, I want to look my Savior in the eye someday and say, I did what you called me to do. And as my mom used to tell me, um, she used to say, I don't care what other things you are successful um, in life on. If you fail your children, you have failed. And that also drove me like this is something God has not called me to teach arithmetic specifically. God has not called me to specifically teach the classics or whatever, although that's obviously part of this, but he has called me to train up my children in the way they should go. And if I don't do that, it doesn't matter. My kids could become, you know, the greatest whatever in their field of interest. They could become successful in the world's eyes. They can be at the top of their game on anything. If I haven't passed the faith on, then I would not be um, proud of myself. I wouldn't be proud of um, that I had fulfilled what God asked me to do. 
And I'm talking with Valerie so it, Ellis. It undergirds everything. Yes. Yes, it does. And, you know, and this is, I was just pulling up First um, Timothy 3, which are the qualifications for overseers and deacons. And part of the qualification of a pastor and a teacher and, and anyone who is ministering in the church, starting verse four, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And so, yeah. so what you were saying, mom, it's so important that parents understand it's not just about what your kids do, how they get give back to society, how they, you know, all of the degrees or qualifications or, or whatever. And, and in the world's eyes, um, I and my brothers are very successful on a worldly metric. I mean, I was an attorney for a sitting president of the United States. That's pretty cool to on the world's metric, but genuinely, and I've always said this, and this is because of the discipleship mom that you and dad specifically gave to me. It doesn't matter what I do in terms of, of my vocation, if I'm not doing it for the glory of the Lord, and if I'm not advancing the kingdom. And this is why, um, even though I'm not yet married with kids, but my, my older brother is, and he has four kids, and he and his wife are homeschooling, and they're they're amazing, and, and our um, your grandkids are just so adorable and wonderful. Um, but for mm-hmm. me, during my single life, I have never done this uh, to advance anything that I've done has never been to advance my own status, my own following, my own uh, finances. I mean, certainly, you know, everybody has to provide. Those are good things. Work is a good thing. But we need to do that with a view of ministry. And so I have always considered everything that I have done in my adult life has been to advance the truth of the gospel of Christ. And that has really been because I saw work and the Christian life so differently than is generally taught in schools and in churches because I saw you and dad live that out. And I also saw and understood because of your investment in homeschooling and and that discipleship aspect. And um, and we're almost out of time for this first segment, but so just really quickly though, um, did you find that that choosing to homeschool then and saying, you know, I'll figure out the, the reading and the arithmetic and all that, was, was that difficult or, or especially, you know, when kids are little, you just kind of naturally grow it with them in education? Yeah, so the first time, the first year that we decided to homeschool, uh, we ordered our books. They came in, I don't, can't remember how many boxes. I was so scared of them, I put them in the corner for a few days, and I thought, I'll just let them sit there before I open them. And then, you know, we went, to, we went, we got them out, I started looking at the books. I was so excited because I love sitting with you and baby and teaching you something. That, that brought joy to my heart. All right, and we'll be right back with more with my mom, Valerie Ellis, here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. We want 
to welcome a new sponsor to American Family Radio, and I hope you give them your full support, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. If you're like most of us, you're feeling the strain of rising healthcare costs. Well, good news, Christian Healthcare Ministries may be the answer you're looking for. CHM is an affordable, faith-based option to traditional healthcare that provides members the freedom to choose doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods since they are not insurance. Can you say freedom? CHM is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry and has been around for over 40 years, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. They are tried and true and have members in all 50 states and around the world and have covered billions in medical bills. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. Make the switch today by visiting chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning. And we are continuing with my interview with my mom from a couple of uh, months ago when we talked about the biblical worldview of homeschooling and why parents need to focus on discipleship for your children and why my parents in particular chose homeschooling. And if you are considering homeschooling, uh, this is some great information about how you can very easily get involved. You can always reach me and my team at Jenna at AFR.net if you'd like more information. Continuing this conversation about homeschooling, the role of parents in the children's lives and discipleship and training. And so while I can speak to that as someone who's been a beneficiary of my parents' discipleship, I am so excited to have as my very special guest for this hour, my mom, Valerie Ellis, who um, of course was the one to uh, train up her children in the way they should go with my dad. And so when I have become older, I haven't departed from it. And I have seen uh, my ministry increase in my impact for the Lord uh, that was really ingrained in me through the discipleship that my parents provided in homeschooling. And um, it's always such a wonderful opportunity to encourage all of the parents who are listening or the parents who are considering homeschooling, or uh, maybe you're discouraged right now because you're, um, you're, you're not sure the direction of your children or Um, You know, you have a lot of questions. And so I want this uh, hour to be very encouraging to you to grasp hold of the promises of God to be faithful to us when we fulfill his calling and we are faithful to what he has called us to. So um, so my mom, Valerie Ellis, was saying in in the last segment um, for her reasons and the, the choice that she and my dad made to homeschool was to spend quality time raising and discipling her kids, um, including me and my brothers, that, uh, that, that discipleship and that ministry was at the forefront. And, and so mom, um, you also now have a wonderful ministry as a biblical counselor, a marriage and family counselor through our church. And my dad is also very involved as an elder, uh, at our church and, so from um, from the perspective then of of the philosophy of parenting, um, one of the things that I have heard you talk about a lot in the context of counseling is how parents 
in the sphere of family government, which is, of course, one of the three institutions that God has ordained, civil government, church government, and family government. The family government is the first opportunity for children to understand the nature and character of God as displayed through the rules of the house, justice, mercy, uh, you know, all of these things that are non-arbitrary, understanding, you know, all of these, the ways that rules are supposed to promote good, restrain evil. Um, So in, so in the context, not just of homeschooling, and I want to get back to that in a minute, but in terms of just parents as a whole, Um, Talk a little bit about your advice to parents as they're looking at um, how to shape their home from a biblical perspective. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, After I had been counseling many uh, parents and their difficulties and different situations that they were having with their children, I noticed a common theme is that there is no justice established in Christian homes. It's just something maybe parents don't even think about that. But it's rooted, obviously, in the justice of God. And I introduce that concept to the parents and say, it is your responsibility, just like our Constitution, to establish justice in your home. And what does that look like? Um, Just briefly, it's more um, obviously extensive than this, but um, the when someone... um, is a criminal, let's call the person does something wrong. The criminal, we like it in our culture when the criminal is actually declared guilty and something happens. They have to pay a fine or they get a consequence for for that action that they chose to do. In our homes, that goes by the wayside a lot. There is a lot of things that children do to one another when the parents uh, don't take action against the person who's bullying and brother or sister or something like that. So I go, you have got to when um, establish justice here so that your child who's being bullied by one of his sim- siblings knows that there will be justice served within that family. So that's a big concept. Not only that, we the criminal or the one who is doing something wrong is the only one who's punished. If my neighbor next door does something wrong, I don't get punished for it. The state says, okay, everybody on your street, everybody's going to get a fine now because one neighbor did something wrong. Um, no, we, we, we only have our discipline meted out to the child who misbehaved. I, I started seeing this. It's common for parents to say, one person did something wrong. We were supposed to go to ice cream after dinner tonight, but we're all staying home now because, you know, your sister acted up. That's unjust. And we have to, we have to uh, establish justice and, and have the consequence only be for the person who did something wrong. Then there's also um, the idea that we cannot be punished in our culture, in our, in our country, for things that we don't know about, for rules that we had no idea existed. We have to be told what's expected of us. Parents are very, um, a lot of times they will make up a rule on the spur of the moment and hold somebody accountable to when they didn't even know that 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 happened or that that was, that that was, that what they did was going against an expectation of the parents. So the parents have to establish justice and let their expectations be made known. 
Um, there's also the idea of appealing. Um, when we get when we go into a court of law and a, a decision has been handed down, there's a there's a process of appealing that decision. There are so many parents who say, "I said this is the way it is." There's no appeal. There's no ability to bring new information to the parent that might change their mind about something and to let them appeal their case to you. Many times in our home, you know, you probably remember, um, we held court because (laughs) you would come and say, Davy did this to me and Davy, no, I didn't. And I would act as a judge and say, okay, you tell me what you, what you, your, um, you know, your argument for this, and I let your brother tell his argument. And then sometimes I would even say, let me think about it. I'll take a short recess, and I'll come back to you with my decision. <laughs> take it under advisement, it would yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, I, you know, I, maybe I don't have all the facts, but here's the ruling, and here's how it is. And we establish justice so that everyone knows the expectations, who's going to be punished if they don't meet the expectations, what the punishment is, and that parents can be approached and appealed to when you think that they didn't actually understand something or if you have new information. So that's just a a brief overview of that concept, but it is so wonderful um, because this is what God told the parents not to provoke your child to anger. And one of the things we all know is that when things are going on, when we live in a family, in a, at a, employer in a city a country that there's no justice going on we are we get angry about that that's that's provoking our children to anger when we when there's no justice in our homes and and that for me mom um i i think also the understanding and the experience of justice growing up uh i think was in part what led me to love law uh frankly and to see how that worked in the context of the family institution and then seeing how justice was not being carried out in civil society and so having that sense of justice and saying there is a measurable difference between right and wrong, good and evil, and the perpetrators of injustice should have consequences. And it should be a good thing to communicate with your authorities even more. And and so there was always an openness that you and dad had that I could talk to you about anything. Or if there was a rule that I thought was unfair, I didn't understand. There was always an openness. Absolutely. Yeah, let's sit down and talk about it. Yeah. It was not the petty tyranny of parents. No, and it, it actually restrains sin within a culture as well as within a family when there is justice. And I, there were many times when um, if they know the judge is going to be seated and he's going to hear the arguments, the person who knew they were guilty and would be found out, they just said, never mind, I know, I'm guilty. Um, your Tyler, my, my youngest son, he had kids in the neighborhood. We would hold court with the kids. They would come in from playing this, you know, this happened or whatever. Tyler would bring them in. We would hold court, and they learned early on, you know, it's not worth it. We're, we're, court takes a while, and it's just better to admit your guilt and be forgiven and go out and play, you know, instead mm-hmm. of having to go through that process. So it actually restrained sin to know that they are going to be held accountable for something. And it wasn't in um, a domineering, dictatorial, harsh, oppressive environment. It's that we have justice in this home and we are going to find out who did what and hold them accountable. And it's not the bully, the biggest bully wins. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it is the, the one who is right is going to get their day in court. Yeah, and I'm talking with my mom, Valerie Ellis, and uh, explaining the concept and the uh, the instruction in righteousness for the family government. And, you know, this mirrors so much from the child's perspective with their authority figures of the adults, how the citizen looks at civil government. And, and there's a lot of parallels there in terms of uh, restraint of evil with uh, with love and forgiveness and mercy, and but also with, as you're talking about, Mom, um, establishing rules and letting those rules be known. They're not just arbitrary. They're not given to the whim of a parent that just says, you know what, I'm tired today, so therefore this is the rule that you didn't even know or the expectation, and you broke it, and now you have a consequence, go to your room. You know, this, something that the child then feels and knows that that isn't justice and that the parents then are just the petty tyrant authorities that then will provoke them later on to rebel against. And, and, and when they start having more freedom, then there is that, uh, that type of conflict instead of respecting that the authority is actually a good thing. You know, you're talking about Tyler and, and his uh, friends around the neighborhood uh, growing up. And he, you know, he's much younger than me and my older brother, so he didn't have as much of that, you know, sibling rivalry. But he had um, some of those... those uh, disagreements or arguments, you know, with, uh, with friends in the neighborhood as they're playing, because everybody coming into contact with each other as human beings, whether it's in the context of a family or civil society, will have arguments, disagreements, harms perpetuated, sin, that needs to have God's authority and instruction figure out what justice really is according to standards that are biblical. And so that parallel is so important, I think, for parents to understand because um, from my perspective as a now adult but but a child growing up in this environment, my parents were always authorities that that I understood loved me and not these um, people that were so frustrating or people that I thought, well, I can't wait till I get older so that I can just do whatever I want because I didn't see that from my mom and dad. What I saw was a family system that worked, even if I didn't understand it in a as sophisticated of a fashion at you know ten or twelve years old than I do now. A child still understands justice, still understands love, still understands rules, and and whether and just the concept of fundamental fairness. You know, kids know from very early on that's not fair or that's mine. You know, one of the other examples, mom, that you that you I know have used in counseling is that, you know, if if two kids or more are fighting over a toy, the easier thing for the parents to do is just take it away and say, well, nobody gets to play with it. Instead of saying, okay, wait a minute, what happened? Was one child playing with it and then somebody came over, somebody else came over and took it away and stole it from him and said, mine, and now they're fighting. So we go back and we say, no, this was originally this this child's and now we'll set a time limit. And we have to share and you know some of those other rules. And and that type of of taking time to get to the bottom of a situation is so important so that especially younger kids. I mean, I was, I was, I'm three and a half years younger than my older brother. I always knew he couldn't bully me, but I couldn't bully him either because there was an authority that mattered and that cared about finding out the truth and that would enact justice. And so um, in just the last couple of minutes we have in this segment, mom, um, and I'm talking with my mom, Valerie Ellis. Um, how, how then did that dynamic in, in your experience, um, come come out more in how 
we also homeschooled um, because, you know, my older brother and I were home with you uh, most of the day. And so, you know, we had to figure out how to do homeschooling in that context as well. You mean how does justice, uh, how does justice, that concept play into homeschooling? Yeah. And, and, and I guess, you know, the rules of having, you know, the authority of the home and then having that also be the structure for education. Yeah, well, the the parents are the authority, but they are also themselves under God's laws and God's rules. So the parents don't just legislate according to their whims. Uh, we have the morality that God has given to us is the basis for all of the rules that we have and loving one another and serving one another and being kind to one another. Uh, if you do not have a structure of um, authority and what the rules are going to be and how we um, and the, how, how that structures the relationships, it is going to be difficult to have a homeschool um, environment where everybody is able to learn because it, the law uh, gives a structure as well as it, it keeps um, the situation from going into chaos when there are clear expectations and we all just, we know that that's, um, this is what is going to be required. And it actually ended up being fun. You don't have to be, just because you establish justice, it's not like you're running a prison guard or some, you know, a prison thing and you, everybody just, you know, you blow your whistle like the sound of music and, and you have to march around. It just means that there's a there's a structure to it so that the relationships within the structure can thrive. You've been listening to my mom, Valerie Ellis, who's our very special guest today on Jenna Ellis in the Morning, talking about homeschooling and training up children in the way they should go so that when they are older, like me, we won't depart from the faith. You can always reach me and my team, Jenna, at AFR.net. We'll be right back with more. According to a recent report, Planned Parenthood continues to rake in billions despite dwindling clients. The biggest takeaway here is that Planned Parenthood is generating vast profits, including millions in taxpayer funding, and preborn, that's you and me, are stealing their clientele, meaning the babies they are trying to kill. Preborn operates on a very slim budget as they rescue over 200 babies' lives every day, and they receive no government funding. Preborn's network of clients are situated in the darkest corners, competing head-to-head with the abortion giants, and they need our help now more than ever. When you donate $28 to Preborn, you will offer a free ultrasound to an expectant mother caught in a crisis. Once she hears that heartbeat and sees that precious life, her baby's chance at life doubles. Please sponsor a precious baby's life. Your tax-deductible gift will go directly towards saving babies' lives, so please be generous. You will never regret saving a baby's life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby, or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. 
Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning. I'm Jenna Ellis, and our very special guest today is my mom, Valerie Ellis. I had an opportunity to speak with her a few months ago about homeschooling and her and my dad's commitment to discipleship of me and my brothers, and how she found such an amazing ministry within the family government as an institution ordained by God to train up children in the way we should go so that when we are older, like me now, we will not depart from our faith. So he Here is the last part of my interview with my mom, Valerie Ellis. And if you have missed the last two segments, definitely go back and listen to this full show. It'll be on AFR.net in the podcast form after the airing of this program. And I've been talking with my very special guest today, Valerie Ellis, who is my mom, and uh, talking about the the view of why homeschooling is important and even more important than that, uh, discipling children and taking that calling and that ministry. If you are a parent, then you have been called uh, by the truth of the Bible and by God's word to disciple your children. That is your primary ministry along with your marriage. And uh, so, Mom, we have been um, been talking about uh, the, the context of the family government. And so I want to ask you, um, starting off in this last segment, um, about discipleship more and, and the training of uh, your children, including me, um, and and why in the context of homeschooling, starting off every single day, reading the Word of God and reading the Bible was essential. And we grew up, I and mean, by the time I graduated high school, we had read through the Bible um, it, that I could even remember probably, you know, 12 or 15 times uh, because every year we would read through the Bible. So what was that uh, like for your decision making and why is that so important to start off the day with uh, Bible instruction? Yeah, um, well, it is important to start the day off with the Bible because it is the most important piece of education. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you don't start off with that, you're going to get sidetracked and you try to tack it on at the end and it's not it's not going you're not going to be able to be as uh, faithful about it. So it didn't matter what we were doing that day or even, you know, what was coming or sometimes we didn't get to our math book or whatever based on what the day looked like, but every day after breakfast we sat down and we read five chapters of the Bible. You can read through the Bible in one year if you read five chapters. Um, because I wasn't just training the next lawyer or the next rocket scientist, which Davy is. I was. It, it didn't matter to me as much that you had a career, if you had a career, it, that um, as much as it would be you would be a Christian living out your faith within the context of that career. So we put the Bible first, God's Word first, we explained it, you know, we read through five chapters, it's a lot for little kids, but you guys learned how to listen that long, Uh, and we talked about what God was saying in those five chapters every single day we started that, and then the things that came after that would be integrated into a biblical view on things. The Bible wasn't just one of our subjects, it was the undergirding of everything we did. 
Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true. And that for, for me, what that gave me was a full understanding of the entire counsel of the word of God. And as we were, when we were little, we read through the living translation, uh, the living Bible translation, which is a little easier uh, to understand. And then I think we got into more, um, you know, the new King James as we got older, but we, we would read, you know, Genesis to Revelation and it was the full counsel of God and, and to, understand the biblical worldview and then to carry that into all of the other subject matters like science, for example, and saying, okay, you know, we, we don't just then put aside the Bible and then open up a secular textbook that teaches us that we're all um, evolved from apes. You know, we, we took the biblical worldview into every area and ultimately um, philosophy and the philosophy of law. One of the reasons that, uh, that I focused so much on the biblical worldview in law school and thought how they're teaching this, this doesn't even make sense. That law is totally arbitrary and whatever the sovereign says they can institute. I'm going, that's not justice. That's not the law. That's be, and it was because of my training for so long in the biblical worldview as applied to everything that we do in life, which for the Christian is the Christian life. And, and so, um, mom, it's also important. And and you've told me this so many times that for parents teaching their kids, that is so important, that relationship and that discipleship in the context of the family. And it's also so important that we do this every day because there is no way that kids get enough understanding of the full context of the Bible and reading it if all they're doing at best is going for an hour of Sunday school at church once a week. Absolutely not. That that has to be the the Sunday school comes alongside the parents and and affirms what the parents are teaching at home, but yeah, there's no way you can teach the biblical worldview with one hour of Sunday school a week. And we, we read through the Bible, and then when you guys got a little bit older, we did theology. With our five chapters of the Bible every day, we went through systematic theology, teaching bibliology and angelology and Christology, all the ologies on, on your level, so that it, it was the taking everything that the Bible says and then coalescing it into, here's what it says about who Jesus Christ is, here's what it says about why the Bible is God's Word, etc., so that I felt confident when you guys graduated from high school, you could go out into the world and you knew the Christian faith. Of course, there's no guarantees for Christians, and um, that has to be your own personal, obviously, we, we personally follow Jesus, accept him as our Savior. But I felt confident that you guys would know exactly what you were rejecting if you did reject Jesus as the Son of God. And it wasn't just, um, we knew that because you guys knew what the Bible says, which is God's Word, are the rules that we were just talking about, about in the home, it's not just what Dad and I thought about things. We, the, Jesus is Lord over this home. And we established his lordship over our home so that what he thinks about things is what we implement. So we're not the uh, dictators of the home. We submit ourselves to the Lord. And we, you guys knew when we said no to something, you knew it's because we were living out our faith in what we allowed you guys to do or not to do. So that's why the training in the biblical worldview is the foundation of everything. Then you understood why we were why we did things a certain way, why we thought a certain way, it's because it comes from God's Word. 
Absolutely. And, and everything that you just described, mom, was, was absolutely true for my life in being trained in biblical theology, reading through scripture, understanding what salvation meant, understanding what uh, the Bible instructs in terms of the Christian life. And, you know, the Bible says very little about salvation itself. That's a very, that's very simple in terms of how we become saved. And then everything else is about how to live out your Christian faith and, and to do that in our day, in our culture. And so then when I did go to uh, Colorado State for undergrad, I majored in journalism. Um, when I was at that point clerking for a judge and watching the judicial system and the civil government government meet out uh, justice according to the law. And then when I went to law school and was confronted with secular ideologies, um, at that point for me, my my faith had already been very personal. I'd already accepted um, the Lord as, as uh, and Jesus Christ as the savior of my life. Um, and then moving forward into adulthood, when I had to make decisions that I was now out of the home and out of uh, those rules and establishing for myself, okay, what do I really believe? And understanding these things and not just saying, well, these were my parents' rules and whatever, I'm going to do something different because I didn't, I wasn't instructed in the, in the rationale. That was different for me because I was instructed in the rationale. So many kids don't mm -hmm. know why their parents do anything. And so then for me, yeah. it became more my choice for my home and what I bring into my home. And then, you know, my brother with his wife, they talk about what are going to be their rules. And they do that because we all do understand, as you mentioned, mom, that we are all still under God's ultimate authority. And a civil government that recognizes that will have moral and upright laws, a church that understands that Christ is the head of the church, not the celebrity pastor, not the board of elders that just decide whatever they want to do. And also for the family, that Christ is the head of the family. And so for the parents, they say, we're not the ultimate authorities here. We are in submission to God who is the head of this family. That is meaningful. And that's meaningful as, as instruction for children that then when we become adults, we understand that. We've seen it lived out. And then as an adult, I can choose to carry that into my personal life as a Christian and, and how that's worked for me in, in what I do now every day on Jenna Ellis in the morning is that I take that biblical worldview and that instruction. A lot of you might be wondering, you know, what, why, why or how do I bring, you know, all of this theology to this? It's because that was my instruction all growing up. And I understand the biblical worldview because of that training. And, and then, of course, furthering that in my adult life to then apply that to my vocation, my family, my life. And, and that has also become so important in the context of history as well, mom. And, and I want to make sure to, to reach this as well, because um, rather than just going through a curriculum for history, uh, you did this very differently. And this really helped me, and I know my brothers as well, understand God's movements throughout history, like the scope of the whole Bible as God's story, understanding that from, you know, beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, understanding the timeline is so important and then understanding world history world philosophies philosophies that are false in contrast with the biblical worldview why our founders left england it wasn't just that they were some torch building villagers that decided to create the best document for civil government ever in human history i mean this the way that you did history put everything in context so yeah we did history that 
the, to those of you listening who um, have been in homeschooling circles, the way that we did history is um, one of the, um, it, it's not unique to me, but I under, but I learned it and I, I, we implemented it for our homeschool and that is to teach history chronologically um, the way that they do it in schools. You'll have um, every every year you just learn, you know, ancient Chinese history or, you know, um, Western civilization, Eastern civilization over here, and it, it's hard to put it all together. So we started out um, with Genesis, the book of Genesis, when we started our history curriculum. You, you read the book of Genesis, um, the beginnings of the world, obviously in the universe creation, up through Genesis ends when the... Um, the children of Israel were down in Egypt. And then we did a year of Egyptian history. And the way that you do, you we had a book about the pharaohs and who they are, and we learned about wh- who was the pharaoh of the Exodus, who was the pharaoh when uh, Pharaoh's daughter came and took Moses out of the um, basket. And you you interweave secular history or world history with what's going on in the Bible so that they're not separate. So we got Egyptian history and where it intersected with biblical history. And we made, we made pyramids and we looked at, you know, just all the, we read books and stories about people who lived in that era. Then we moved to, um, Bab- the, when the Babel, Babylonian, Babylonian history. And then that goes to, um, then ancient Greece. And we learned, um, you know, that was the time in between the two Testaments um, when the Greek philosophers were in the golden age of Greece. We learned who they are, what their philosophies were, and how that um, is what they thought doesn't uh, is not compatible with biblical teachings. Um, all the things that happened with, um, you know, what happened with Hanukkah, that, that is in ancient Greece in between the Testaments. Then we go to ancient Rome, which is the New Testament opens, and Rome is now the world leader. We learned about the Caesars and the, you know, just the Roman Empire and Jesus coming on the scene at that point in world history. Um, and then Rome fell, and the New Testament ends, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and then for the Middle Ages, when Rome fell, the world is now in a thousand years of the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages and the kings and the queens and the castles and the Vikings and all that. I think we took two years to go through the Middle Ages. You come out of the Middle Ages with the Renaissance and the Reformation, uh, how the the Reformers came out of the Catholic Church and they reestablished biblical doctrines and the Renaissance and the um, all the things that, you know, they went back, the Renaissance thinkers went back to ancient Greece. We talked about all that, and then we get to English history, and we did the kings and the queens of England, and then the pilgrims and how they left, and then they came over, and then that started American history up till right now. We just we just did the whole flow of history, and it is amazing, and it's a wonderful way to do history. 
Well, that is it for us today here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. I hope you enjoyed the interview with my mom, Valerie Ellis, on homeschooling. If you'd like to reach me and my team, you can always email us, jenna at afr.net. Share this episode as well. It will be streaming on afr.net under that heading, Jenna Ellis in the morning. Share it with a friend who's very interested in homeschooling. I'll see you Monday morning. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving health cost-sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org/afr. That's chministries.org/afr.